0: good afternoon everyone we're gonna do that again we're gonna allow you all to respond to the greeting that's kind of a traditional custom in our land and so I'm just warning you we're going to do that again uh, good Saturday afternoon everyone ah yes I know we had a great lunch you've already had a session after lunch but we we sure appreciate your enthusiastic engagement and um, we look forward to interacting with you all some today I know many of you, but allow me just to take a moment to introduce myself. My name is John Glock. I hail from Dubuque, Iowa. My wife Katie is with us today. And uh, we know Bethany and Bethany folks well, but it's just great to be with many folks that we've connected with uh, over the years. I just wanted to give a a, a brief word of introduction, and then we'll have a time of prayer together, and then we'll hear uh, the Stratman story. But I want to remind all of us of this truth, uh, taken from a chorus, perhaps you remember from back in the 90s, some of you don't, but that's okay. So I was graduating seminary in 1994, and at the time I was involved in camp ministry and youth ministry, and there was a song out at that time that went like this. I'm just going to give you the words. It's, you're welcome. It went like this. What do we do? what do we do when life is hard? I see your faces, and again, I know many of you, but I know this to be true of all of us. We're dealing with something, right? And if we're just getting through something, we're going to have something else to deal with right around the corner. And so how do we deal? How do we respond to the difficulties of life when life is hard and might not get easier? What do we do? I've been thinking about the Stratmans a lot uh, the last few weeks and our time with you uh, today as well. And and my mind was drawn to a psalm uh, that's familiar to all of us. It's Psalm 27. Psalm 27, the end of it states this, verses 13 and 14. It says this, be reminded of it this afternoon. I would have despaired. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord uh, in the land of the living. What a great reminder. All kinds of reasons to despair. David is a good example of that. And he said, I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Listen to how it it concludes verse 14. Uh, it It says this. I would have despaired unless I have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14 says this, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. And I'm not speaking today, you know that, and I know that, but we need to be reminded that waiting conveys two things. Waiting conveys the obvious, that the best is yet to come. We have future hope, and so we're going to choose to live today in light of eternity. That's the obvious rendering or understanding of the word wait. But a second understanding of that word wait is this, to allow God to decide the terms. The same thing is found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct our paths. And that's part of waiting, not only knowing that the best is yet to come. Here it comes. But also that we have to allow him to sovereignly orchestrate. And so we all have despair. We all have despair. It's our occasion and privilege and and for me, a a humbling honor uh, to be with the Stratmans and my dear friend Daniel and to share a little bit of their story and the reason they had to despair uh, but also indeed to uh, share the the hope uh, that is a reality as they have been waiting and we are waiting because of the hope we all have together. So let's pray. I'll introduce each. They need no introduction, but let's pray anyway. And as I pray, I want to invite you to pray. Uh, Let's all pray simultaneously and just ask God to move in our minds and hearts this afternoon. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you that although we know it to be true, that life is hard and it just might not get easier. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament as well. It's uh, it's guaranteed for believers. And so we pray that that we would suffer well for your namesake. But as we go through heartache and despair and struggle and difficulty, we pray that we might respond the right way, and that our stories might encourage and comfort one another. We're all going through it, and we all have stuff we're dealing with, and as we laser in on the Stratman's reality, may it remind us of our realities too, and that we all can respond and need to in a way that brings you honor and glory, so help us. Help us, I pray. Help us to wait, anticipating what is yet to come, heaven and all that that entails, glory, and in the meantime, allowing you to determine the circumstances. And we will trust in you in them, uh, we ask and pray. We commit this time to you. It's not about us on the stage uh, or those who have gathered. We just want to share stories to bring your name, honor, and glory. So help us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, 1968 was the year my dad started teaching at EMas Bible College. Shortly after that, uh, a young man named Jerry, everybody knows him as Jay these days, Jerry Stratman, uh, Jay Stratman came to Emance Bible School at the time. He happened to be one of my original babysitters, truth be known. And so this relationship goes way back. And so uh no stories about me today, please and thank you. But but Jay is gonna uh share a little bit about the Stratman family before the accident. Uh Sue's gonna sh- share a little bit uh about the accident and the details therein. Daniel has the right and privilege to interject anytime. And uh, he knows that, and we all know that as well, so we'll follow his lead. I just want to say, if you don't know this about Daniel, pay attention to this. He has an incredible laugh, an incredible laugh, and one of the most engaging and encouraging smiles. And so pay attention, and he's very quick-witted and has a keen mind. So he's listening, and he's paying attention, and he's going to keep us all in line. So, Jay, if you would tell uh, a little bit about your crew uh, prior to the accident.
1: Well, uh, as John said, uh, deep friendship for many years. Sue and I met at John Brown University in uh, 1972, I think. And when she finally made up her mind, <laughs> then we were, well, we were married Uh, some years later, uh, the Lord, uh, we've asked the Lord from the beginning to be at the center of our relationship, of our home, as most all of you. And, uh, so life was, uh, pretty normal, uh, Daniel was our third child, two, two daughters. Uh, Daniel, another daughter, and then another daughter. And so he's kind of been the center of attention uh, all his life. He's
0: objecting to that already. This is going to happen. pay attention.
1: Sue really had the privilege of leading each of our children uh, to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Uh, For that, we've been very grateful. Um, Daniel was uh, born with a heart defect uh, in the aortic uh, valve, and uh, so he was actually rushed to the hospital five days after birth and then uh, they weren't sure they uh, in the cath lab and then they decided to operate and uh, we were able to bring them home nine days and heart checkups uh, every three months, six months, whatever the case would be and so that was our situation uh, uh, as our Children were growing up. But uh, why don't you?
2: Pick up. Yeah. Okay. Am I on? I don't think I'm on. Yes. Hello. Yes. Okay. Now I'm on. Okay. Um, during the time that our girls were little, um, I started facing Goliath-type fears. Um, irrational fears, ridiculous fears, fears that came out of nowhere. Had no idea why this was happening to me, but um, I started leaning heavily on the Lord. And um, I really believe that Daniel's heart defect and the three open heart surgeries that he endured at five days old and eight years old and 11 years old were lessons in trust. The Lord was teaching me to trust him. We didn't know if Daniel would make it through those heart surgeries. And um, his third heart surgery was a 12-hour surgery. But he came through with flying colors. Um, Jay, when Daniel was born and every heart surgery from that point on, we would stand at the hospital holding on to each other for dear life telling the Lord that we knew Daniel was not ours, that he was his, and if he wanted to take him, he could take him. And I meant that. I I meant that, even though I begged him not to take him. Um, Six months after the third open-heart surgery, Daniel had the best heart checkup in his life. He was cleared to play all sports. Up to that point, he could only play baseball.
3: No. No. For
2: the... But he could not play football, sorry. He could not play all sports. He could play soccer and basketball and baseball, not hockey and not football. They were afraid if he took a hit to the chest, it could kill him, right? Right, okay. So um, he had a great heart checkup. We had an amazing year. But a doctor discovered that Daniel had a hernia and it would need to be surgically repaired. So we were going to go to a small hospital near our town in Warrenton, Missouri, um, but Daniel's cardiologist felt that we needed to be at Children's Hospital because Daniel had the three open hearts, and if anything happened to his heart, they would be there. They knew him. They knew his heart. So we changed the surgery to Children's the end of July. Well, we happened to be at Turkey Hill Ranch Bible Camp, and Daniel was going to try out for a select soccer team that weekend. So we left Turkey Hill on Friday. He tried on on Saturday. He made the team. And the coach said, if you could move the surgery up, he won't miss anything. So on Monday morning, I called Children's Hospital. They moved it up to Wednesday morning. We told nobody. To be honest with you, we hardly prayed about it. This was hernia surgery. It was an open heart. Everybody survives hernia. We didn't even think about it. So we went into the hospital that morning. Um, Daniel was shooting hoops in the waiting room. None of us were nervous. This was a piece of cake. He walked through the operating room doors. He was 11 years old at the time. I can. I had to go to my f- to my friends to my favorite restaurant. We were planning, he reminded me, we were planning, he was gonna be in the hospital two to three hours and we were going to go to our favorite restaurant, Steak and Shake. Which is? Oh, he says it's, go- it's Ragazzi's. Okay, Ragazzi's Pizza Place in St. Louis. He will keep me on my toes with the details.
0: He's he- a detail man, let me tell you, doesn't miss a thing.
2: He will remember the details far better than I do. (laughs) We were going to go to Ragazzi's for lunch. And so as he walked through the double doors, just like those in the back, he turned around as an 11-year-old boy. He waved to us, he said, I love you, Mommy, I love you, Daddy. And he went through the doors. Little did I know I would never, ever hear him say those words like that again. In fact, Little did we know we wouldn't have our son the way we had him before. We would soon find out that something went wrong during his hernia surgery. Nobody would tell us what, we just knew there were problems. He went into the OR posturing and having seizures. We did not know what that meant. We know now that means brain injury, but we didn't know that then. And they came and got us and told us that something went very wrong and that we're dealing with the brain, and we don't know what to tell you. And so for four weeks, they didn't tell us anything. We found out there was a cover-up going on. Um, Everybody, we found out years later there was a gag order in the hospital, and no one was to talk about Daniel Stratman or they would lose their jobs. So for four weeks we floundered, Daniel is in intensive care on a ventilator fighting for his life. They're telling us to turn off his machines and let him go. We talk about it now, it's been 27 years, but those days rocked our world, as you can imagine, if you're a parent, or not even a parent, if you love somebody you know, we were devastated. We were undone. I was completely undone. And I had many, many conversations with the Lord in anger. I was so mad. Daniel did fight for his life for four weeks. His blood, his heart rate would be over 200. His blood temperature would be over 105. And he would sweat like you run a marathon day after day after day. People would come to the hospital to beg us to leave, and every once in a while they would convince us we needed to leave. But those days were the closest thing to hell I can ever imagine, hell on earth. After four weeks, we knew Daniel's cardiologist, knew mistakes had been made. He came in from vacation and did an investigation. And he didn't tell us that, he just worked with the hospital. And we found out later, he told them, they tell us the truth or there will be a press conference. So the morning four weeks later that Daniel did get out of intensive care and he was off the ventilator, the hospital administrators called us in for a meeting. And they told us that Daniel would be a vegetable, that he would never walk, talk, go to the bathroom, see, eat. He would never do anything on his own. We were to take him home, change his diapers, and try to get on with our lives. They also told us that the anesthesiologist made the mistakes, and they took us minute by minute through the operating room that day. Basically, the anesthesiologist set the anesthetic machine too high for too long, like Daniel was in for a heart surgery. She put the blood pressure cuff on his arm But she never set the machine to read it. So nobody was monitoring Daniel's blood pressure. And then she left the room, leaving a nurse anesthetist student who was just there to observe in Daniel's care. Daniel coded about 11 minutes into the operation. They called the crash cart, the cardiology team. We heard the code. Never dreamed it had anything to do with our son. They got Daniel's heart going again after several minutes, but they told us the damage was done. He went about 10 to 12 minutes without oxygen to the brain on the operating room table. We walked out of that meeting that day, and I hated everything. And I couldn't understand why God didn't stop this. And I walked out. I left Jay and I walked outside of Children's Hospital screaming and yelling and shaking my ugly, nasty, sinful fist in the face of Almighty God, accusing him of being unfaithful, unkind, unfair, Daniel did. I'll go back to that story later. But Daniel was in the hospital for four months. He came out doing nothing. He couldn't move. We didn't know it, but he couldn't see. He couldn't speak. He didn't speak for two years. But the Lord has been so amazingly faithful to us. The stories of God's faithfulness and love, you'll have to read our book because we don't have the time to tell you everything the Lord did for us during that time. Daniel, well, maybe I'll stop there and you can pick it up.
0: Sure. I'd be be happy to tell a story or two. Daniel, do you want to interject anything at this time? I'm sensing that could be possible.
2: That's a dangerous thing to ask. Anything
0: you want to add? Yeah. No. Okay, moving on. You have chosen wisely. <laughs> Let me just tell you a few uh, perspectives of the Stratman family from, uh, from my vantage point. Again, our family has, in God's grace, had the privilege to do life with this family. And uh, I, was, I was single for a long time, and uh, that was God's plan also. And so in my singleness, I had freedom to travel about. And so Daniel wanted to do several things with his dear dad, Jay, and mom, Sue, and and youngest uh, sister, Jordy, eventually would join the party. But we, we would try to go um, to camps, camps all over the country, am I right? Camps? We went, right, we, camps all over the country, and I know this part, I'm going to tell it. Also, as many, that's it, many baseball stadiums uh, as we could, Major League Baseball stadiums. And then, I just have to be honest and tell you, we would go to the, the finest restaurants we could find in those particular cities. And so the goal was, in this order, to go to camps and to go to baseball stadiums and go to fine restaurants. And we did that coast to coast, and uh, had a grand and glorious time. I wanna tell you about one story. Uh, We were at a camp on the west coast, a camp called uh, Koinonia, uh, some of you know of it, have been there, have heard of it. Well, we were we were touring the property, and this was the way we would roll. We would come in, we would tour the property, we'd get to know the people serving there, and uh, we were, there was a guy named, he still serves there, named Pablo, and pa- you remember Pablo? What? He, he does,
2: he stay? He's, he is
3: still
2: there. What? He is the, there. He's there now?
0: Yes, he's still there. Absolutely. So we were there together. Pablo was giving a tour of the property. Daniel was in a wheelchair. I would often uh, wheel him around very creatively and enthusiastically sometimes. And their son, Pablo's son and his wife uh, had, had several children. Their son's name was Luke. And he was watching Daniel like you can't even imagine. He was watching Daniel, just how Daniel would interact. He was watching Daniel speak to us. He was watching him laugh, watching him smile, but he knew he was different. And so after we left the camp, uh, Pablo's uh, son Luke came up to Pablo and said, I want to know his story. What's going on with this story? And so the story was explained, but Pablo shared with Luke that that's not always going to be the case for Daniel. Daniel knows the Lord Jesus as his personal Savior, and one day he'll experience a glorified body with Christ in heaven. And this captivated young Luke, and Luke said, I want that. And he made a decision to trust in Christ as his Savior. And so from that point on, I started calling Daniel Brother B, uh, which stands for Barnabas, Uh, Daniel has a ministry of encouragement, and I want you to know that. He has traveled uh, uh, the country, the nation, the world, and encourages—excuse me? the The world. I know, the world. Not all of us get that privilege, but you have. That's right. The world, just to be clear. And as he does so, he has a ministry of encouragement. Unlike any of us can encourage others based upon what he has been through. And so um, when I served for a minute or two at Mass Bible College, uh, it was determined by the cabinet that we would identify an award. An award really uh, named in honor of Daniel, but it would be known as the Barnabas Award. And every year in May, a student from Emmaus Bible College receives the Barnabas Award. Daniel graduated from Emmaus uh, while I was serving there, and he was the first uh, to receive that award, the Barnabas Award. And so we wanted you to know and understand that uh, Daniel has a ministry, and he knows it, and he knows that that God is worthy to be trusted regardless of circumstances, and his ministry is one of encouragement. So feel free, if you want to, uh, from time to time, call him Brother B, uh, which stands for Barnabas. I'm going to pause and let Sue and Jay and Daniel share other stories of encouragement and lessons learned and then i have a few more uh entertaining ones for you as well
2: what'd you say good Good. is that good that was good um i can't remember the time frame daniel went to emmaus for seven years not because daniel couldn't handle four years but his dad and i could not um daniel um, cannot see, he cannot read, he cannot write. Um, the part of the anoxic injury to the brain was his brain stem, which controls all of his motor skills and his speech. But the occipital part of his brain, we learned later, also took a big hit and it wiped out everything math, spelling, and um, vision. The Lord, though, amazingly preserved Daniel's mind. And Daniel can recite Bible verses he learned. I see children here in Iwana when he was your age. And he remembers the words to hymns that he learned as a child. And while he can't sing, sing, because he doesn't have the breath intonation to carry that support, he mouths the words to many, many hymns. When he went to Emmaus, um, one of his first assignments was to write a paper about a biblical hero. And I don't know if this preceded John calling him Brother B, or if this came after. But he wanted he wrote about Barnabas. And when Daniel did Emmaus, uh, mostly Jay went to classes with him, recorded all the teacher lectures... Um, brought it home. Daniel would listen over and over and over and over. He was, he was never an auditory learner, but he became an auditory learner, and so he would listen to the lectures. Jay would put all those awful big textbooks on cassette tapes. Boring, Daniel said.
0: That was clearly boring. <laughs> I, I think you all caught that as well. Boring, yes, indeed. Okay, moving on.
2: So, <laughs> so. Uh,
0: Dr. Stevenson is here.
2: Oh, that's right. Don't tell doctor. And you also had John Glock classes, and you might have had Mr. Woodhouse classes. But Daniel would listen. Now those classes. He wasn't were talking not about any of us. No, he, he just wasn't. made that clear. No, he wasn't. No, not at all. But he would listen to everything on tape. We would read the study sheets. Everything had to be auditory. But the Barnabas paper, Daniel dictated to me, and I typed it up for him, and I think it was actually a Mr. Dave Glock class that he wrote that paper for, and that was his goal in life, to be a Barnabas, to be an encourager like Barnabas was to Paul. So the connection there is pretty amazing how the Lord worked in that area, and um, Daniel did go to Emmaus for seven years. He didn't speak for two years after he, w- he was injured in 1996. The verse that John read today, Psalm 27:12, I showed I opened my Bible. John shared that with me this morning. I opened my Bible, and I said, "Do you realize July 1996 is written in my Bible?" At that verse, that's the verse that I pleaded with the Lord and thought of all the time. A few months before that, when I was dealing with these horrendous fears, I sat at my kitchen table and doing a Bible study, and Psalm 27 14 hit me between the eyes like a ton of bricks. Wait on the Lord be of good courage, I will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And I said to the Lord, why are you giving me this verse? This verse, it jumped off the pages to me. And a friend came in to see me that morning, and I said, Jan, I don't know what's going on, but the Lord's about to do something big. That was March of 1996. Daniel was injured in July. The morning that Daniel was injured, we didn't tell anybody we changed the surgery. Nobody knew. We called Steve Allen at Turkey Hill after they told us something went wrong. We called Dave Glock at Emmaus and told him something went wrong. Daniel's not going to make it. And to our knowledge, that news went worldwide, and people all over the world were praying for Daniel. But Jan, my friend, who I shared that verse with in March, that morning... The Lord burdened her with our family. She said, I've never ever in my life felt such a burden to pray for somebody. She said, I've prayed specifically for Jay, and I just felt like Jay is going to carry a burden that he has never carried before. Wednesday night, she found out what happened to Daniel, and Thursday morning she was in the hospital. To say God, God is amazing. I don't know how people do life without him. I, it was hard with him. It's still hard with him. Daniel is still a very injured, young man. And yet, how God loves. John said this morning, intense love, and I almost choked. I almost wept. The intense love of God is what has carried us through.
0: Um, this week, I was I was thinking about again my history with the Stratmans and uh, the Stratman's history with our family. They've lived with us. We've done a lot of life together. And one of my, my dad's last chapel messages at Emmaus, um, it might've been his last. It was in February of 2018. And so I reached out to the college and said, could you send me that message? Uh, again, I wanted to listen to it, uh, this week. And it was entitled the following. Uh, Omniscience, omnipotence, anxiety, and birds. Omniscience, omnipotence, anxiety, and birds. And you don't get that, uh, but the Stratmans were a big part of uh, that message, especially when it comes to the, the emphasis on birds. So, Sue, I wonder if you could uh, remind us of the fact that his eye is on the sparrow.
2: I'll try to do this without weeping. This changed my life. As I mentioned, after they told us Daniel would be a vegetable, I walked outside, and for two and a half hours, I walked around the huge complex that is St. Louis Children's Hospital in Barnes. And I walked with my head down, weeping and crying and begging God, begging God to heal my son, but mostly anger at why... How are we going to live with a brain injured little boy now? Why didn't you take him? You had three heart surgeries. You could have taken him then. Why didn't you take him? Now, a hernia surgery, and we're going to have a little boy who's in a vegetative state. It didn't make sense to me. It felt so unfair, so cruel, so unloving. And so for two and a half hours, I walked and cried and walked and cried. And I remember exactly where I was. I walked past the Children's Hospital entrance, and there was a little side street, and I walked down the curb and up the curb. And as I stepped up on the curb, there was a dead sparrow at my feet. And that sparrow stopped me in my tracks, and I think... If I wouldn't have thought they would carry me away in a straight jacket, I would have fallen on my face, prostrate, on the sidewalk. And as John said this morning, I didn't hear anything audible, but I know the Lord was speaking to my heart. And as I looked at that dead sparrow, knowing that God goes to every sparrow's funeral in Matthew 10, It was like the Lord said to me, Sue, don't you know how much I love you? Don't you know how much I love your son? And I remember saying to him, if I had your power to to heal your only son, my only son, I would do it. And then I heard him say, I gave my only son for you, for Daniel. Daniel. I know what this feels like. And I know this doesn't seem fair. And I know it's hard. But I'm just asking you to trust me. Just trust me. This will turn out for your good, for Daniel's good, for my glory. And while you don't understand, you just need to trust me. And that little sparrow that day changed my life I have sparrows in my kitchen I have sparrows in my bedroom I love that little bird
0: I was I was going to add that if you've been to the Stratman's house you uh you can't help but be reminded of sparrows yeah
2: gave us a picture
0: we've added to that collection no doubt I want to ask the three of you a question, and I want to tell just some fun stories so you understand that Daniel uh, is just like us and loves to have a good time and enjoy uh, the abundant life now, knowing that glory is yet to come. But I'd ask all three of you uh, this question to share with us as we uh, we start to land the plane. Daniel Daniel yawned and gave me a little look, and I said, "I'm sorry, we're keeping you up. Uh, so we'll start. We'll start wrapping this up." But
2: Daniel kept me up last night. Just uh, yeah. There's a story. There's
0: a story to be told there too. Um, so in a moment, if you all would just say, "Here are the lessons that." that we, the Lord has taught us and is, is teaching us uh, for our comfort and encouragement today. But two quick stories just for fun, just for fun. So when I was in youth ministry uh, in Tennessee, I lived there for 11 years, we would always uh, either take our youth group to Emance Bible College with some wink-wink recruitment efforts uh, in mind, or we would go to St. Louis and we would stay at the Stratman's. And we, you remember, right? We, we had a grand and glorious time. And one of the kids in my youth group, we we still stay in touch with his name's Austin Paul Benedict. Uh, we call him A.P. or Austin Paul, and and so we were all going to Six Flags. We were staying at the Stratmans, going to Six Flags, and and Austin uh, became very close to Daniel. Uh, Daniel and Austin were both junior groomsmen in my my wedding, and uh, Austin just thought he could do everything right, and and was a specially gifted young man in in high school, and. And everybody else knew that wasn't the case, and so Austin uh, said, "Listen, let me take care of Daniel a little bit. Let me let me take care of this," and and we 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 would take advantage of the reality of getting to the front, <laughs> exactly to the front of the line. And so normally I'd be I'd be pushing Daniel in his wheelchair, and he said, "John, this is taking too long. Let me put Daniel on my back." And so I said, "Okay, let's try this." And so Austin, uh, I helped Daniel get on Austin's back. And Austin just took off, but forgot to realize that Daniel had no ability to hold on. And so Daniel just, ka-plunk, was there um, uh, in the sidewalk, yes. Uh, But smiling and laughing and loving every moment of it. Um, we also, for a while, went to Coronis together uh, in Minnesota, end of July, last last full week of July, we highly recommend it, um, but I, I had wave runners at the time, Mark Woodhouse remembers this and some others, and uh, I brought uh, one of my Wave Runners up, and, and Daniel wanted to go on. And so, of course, we had life jackets, and we said, let's do this. We put Daniel in between me and Austin. And then we just decided to get a little wild and crazy, and uh, Daniel wanted to see if we could throw him off the Wave Runner. And... Um, and so we made a strong effort and had some maneuverability on the Wave Runner. And I threw both he and Austin flying in the water. And Daniel was just bobbing up and down, laughing and, and enjoying normal life with us. And we just wanted you to hear those stories to know he loves to do life with us and just like us. And we make every effort uh, to make sure he enjoys that to the fullest. Uh, I promise you more stories could be told. Life lessons from any of you, if you'd be willing to share, Daniel, uh, Sue, Jay, big lessons the Lord has taught you as we we start to bring this to a close.
2: Okay, you interject, Daniel, if you You have something you would like to say. You never know what Daniel's going to say.
0: Nothing at the time, but he'll be ready. Okay.
2: Um, Jay and I collaborated on this and um, they did they did um, I have realized and you have realized because you live this life also and you may not have a son who suffered an anoxic injury on the operating room table but you could probably be up here telling your stories too because we all suffer and I think that's one thing we have learned it doesn't matter If it's divorce or financial or cancer, uh, we've all been touched by cancer or COVID or whatever. We all struggle. And life in our situation has been a series of making choices. There's a song, the contemporary song that's out right now, and it says, oh, it's kind of old, maybe a couple years. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in his love. It is, did you say? You know that's... It is
0: a couple years old. Okay.
2: Told you, he's really good at details. My struggle with fear ended, for the most part, with that dead sparrow. I was so touched by that living, dead illustration from the Lord that he does care and he does love. And I realized over the course of the next many months that faith is a choice. So is fear. To live in fear is also a choice. But I didn't ever want to go back there again. Really, only Jay knows my struggles with fear. But the Lord used Daniel's injury to teach me that faith is much better than fear. And if I would choose to walk by faith, not by fear, the blessings would be amazing. Fear is a liar, and I knew that then, and I really know it now. But I truly know that to choose to live by faith over fear is the way to abundant, joyful life here on this earth, doesn't matter the circumstances, doesn't matter, the Lord did not heal Daniel all the way, we begged, we prayed, we fasted, we begged and we prayed and we fasted again and again and again. The Lord brought Daniel as far as the Lord wanted to bring Daniel, and he'll say to me, why do you think the Lord let this happen to me, why do I talk like this, and my answer is, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not sure when we get to heaven it's even going to matter. But I do know that in this life, choosing faith, to live by faith, it doesn't matter. Because God gets the glory and the blessings and the balm that the Lord has poured on us to cause us to laugh and smile again. I didn't know if we'd ever smile again. And as John has shared, we belly laugh now. God is so good. I found that as I rehearse the goodness of God in my life, and in our life, that I truly, honestly, really believe that God is good. No matter what. No matter what. Our youngest daughter just lost a baby this week. And so hard... Why did the Lord allow us to go through that again? Why is he letting her and her husband go through that? But it's okay, because God knows, and God is good no matter what, and he will bring good from this in their lives. And I believe that with all my heart. Choosing to forgive is another aspect of our story. And if we had time for questions, that's always the first question. How did you deal with the anesthesiologist? And I'll just give you the Cliff Notes version because I don't have time to tell you all of it. She came to see us every day for those four weeks that Daniel was in intensive care. Every day. We didn't know she made the mistakes. But we learned a little bit about her. And Daniel will laugh at this, but I'll say it anyway. Her mother had just died. Her father was suicidal. And her husband was dying of lung disease. You didn't laugh. For some reason, when I tell that, he chuckles. But we learned that she did not know the Lord. And so the Lord, the Holy Spirit, gave me words to say to her that were not my words. I remember telling her, she would say, I don't know what happened. If I did anything wrong, I will never walk in the OR again. I don't know what happened in there. And I would say to her, it doesn't matter. The Lord knows, and the, Daniel is the Lord's. And this is part of Daniel's story for the glory of God. My heart was broken, and the Lord gave me those words. I didn't realize it, but before, the night before... They told us what happened. She came to see me. And I had a basket for her with a Bible and tracks and a th- thank you card for coming to see us every day. I found out the next morning it was totally her. I really, really believe the Lord gave me an opportunity to love on that woman for four weeks so that I would not hate her guts. Had she not come in every day, I'm just thankful the Lord didn't ask me to do that. There are days now, we do not hate her. We have no animosity. We don't. You don't. You don't. He has never been angry with her. I'm waiting for the rebuttal. But the Lord allowed me to forgive her. And Daniel still has bad days, and there are still days when I say in my heart, oh, Lord, help me to forgive her again. I need to forgive her right now. When I think all that she took away from Daniel and the life that he would have had, he wanted to be a cardiologist, he was a soccer player, he was very ambitious. I have to ask the Lord to forgive, help me forgive her again. So we have chosen forgiveness we have chosen to be thankful. The Bible is full of verses telling us to be thankful, but in the midst of tough, tough situations, that's a choice of the mind and the will. The heart eventually follows, and I do thank God for Daniel just like he is, but it took me a while to get there. But we did thank him many, many times, and we still do for the blessings It changed our perspective to be thankful. It focused our eyes on the Lord and on all that he's done for us. Would we love to have Daniel back, running around, playing soccer? Oh, 100%, absolutely. But would we trade that for the lessons we have learned through this trial? Never. The lessons we have learned. I would never know God the way I know him now. I may still be living in fear. And Daniel is such a blessing. And we've cho- chosen to focus on heaven. I'm so thankful this life is not all there is. I don't know that I'd still be here if it was. If I didn't know the Lord, I don't know what I would have done. There was a point where I wanted to jump out of the seventh floor, seventh floor intensive care waiting room. I wanted to end my life because I didn't want to watch him suffer anymore. And yet we have so much hope in Jesus Christ. Daniel knows the Lord. Our girls know the Lord. We have the hope of heaven. And one of the most encouraging things to me to think about is while this injury took Daniel's sight away, when he gets to heaven, the first face he will see clearly since he was 11 years old, will be the face of his Savior. He will see Jesus. He will see him clearly. (laughs) What an amazing thing. The hope of heaven. If you don't know the Lord, please, please trust him. This life is hard. And if you don't know him, this is the only heaven you will ever know. For those of us who know him, This is the only hell we will ever know, because someday Daniel's going to run the streets of heaven. He's a good friend of Johnny Erickson Tata, and just two weeks ago, Johnny wrote Daniel. She texted him, and she said, Daniel, will you promise me that you'll play tennis with me in heaven? Daniel's never played tennis, and I don't think Johnny has either, but she wants to play tennis in heaven. I have played. You did as a child. You did before you were injured. That is true.
0: Not professionally. Not professionally. If any of you know Mr. Jay Stratman, you know that he is a man of few words, uh, but a a generous, humble servant of the Lord. And um, I wonder, Jay, if you wanted to share any closing comments um, and and then just a few comments from me as well. But Jay, if you would please, sir.
1: A um, couple of things. We uh, know that all of us face difficult situations, so it's not anything about us that's special, um, obviously. Uh, but it's our Savior. Lord Jesus and um, we indeed have the God of all comfort and just as we were encouraged by many people, many many people coming along and sharing that with us if uh, we can do likewise uh, just a little in just a little Way certainly that's that's what uh, we'd like to be involved in Um, he is faithful and uh, we like to refer to the verse thus far has the Lord helped us and indeed he has and we're grateful we'd like to thank the conference committee for the invitation uh, we thank the elders uh, and uh, what a what a conference uh, you folks put on and all the believers uh helping and uh, the food and it's uh thank you we're uh, we're blessed to
0: and privileged to be here Dan, uh, daniel do you have any uh any words you want to say before we uh, wrap this up, my brother?
2: Before we play the video that you hate?
0: Yeah, that's coming.
2: I'm just warning him.
0: But not.
2: You, you should. You said we would not do. Oh, no, I didn't. He's calling me a liar. This, th- th- <laughs> this
0: can get heated. I've been around. I promise you.
2: I told you we were going to play it.
0: It's all, all ready to play, Daniel. I'm sorry. It's cued. We, we follow the lead of uh, your parents, so deal with them afterwards. Let, let me remind you of, of just um, the four lessons that Sue um, brought to our attention. She and Jay worked on these lessons, and I just wanted to... To read them again to you, and then also read those verses from Psalm 27 before um, the video plays with Daniel and one of uh, his brother-in-laws. So here's the here's the big lessons um, that they wanted to convey with you today: choosing faith over fear, choosing faith over fear. Notice the word choosing in all of these: choosing to forgive choosing to be thankful, choosing to keep eternity in view. And so let me, let me read those verses from Psalm 27 again, 13 and 14, and then we'll play the video. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14, wait for the Lord be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And so it's been our prayer and desire that your heart would take courage today, as you've heard a little bit of the Stratman story. And here's a little bit from Daniel, his favorite part of this presentation, and his brother-in-law, Grant, uh, telling a little bit of their story.
2: While they're queuing this up, this is on Daniel's website called storyofdan.com. Somehow they, then Daniel got nixed. So it's storyofdan.com. You can go to the website. We wrote a book in collaboration with a woman we met through Johnny and friends called When Losing is Winning. We are out of hard copies, but on this website you can download the book if you would like to read the details of God's faithfulness in our lives.
0: Um,
3: they're uh, they're going to work on the, getting a video. While we're doing that, let's uh, open it up for some questions. If there's any questions,
0: and then we'll uh, we'll go to the video once it's ready. Sounds great. Sounds great. Anybody have a question from the audience? Nice and loud. Okay, Daniel, brother B, did you hear that? What's your favorite food? I won't answer it, even though I know it. You go ahead.
3: Pizza. No. Pizza.
2: It used to be pizza. He's changed.
0: Is that because of all the ballparks you've been to, Daniel? <coughs> right. Right. <laughs> I think we got it up here. That's
2: a good question.
0: I thought he was going to say steaks. We, we, we've had many a good steak <laughs> together. We have. Yes, we have.
3: It was normal. Like all... The other American other. kids. Uh, what what type of stuff did you like to do as a all American normal kid? I, I love baseball, baseball. I and pretty much I, I loved when I was, I was outdoors. outdoors. So you love playing baseball. You loved the outdoors. All right, that's cool. So you pretty active kid. I was. I was, and you did a lot of. Uh, normal kid stuff Uh, and then you, you know, you had a couple you were used to doctors uh, but then you had to go in for a a routine thing What, what happened? what happened? I was given too much anesthesia and no oxygen to my brain cells So then you basically got out of that surgery and ended up, what, completely brain injured? In a wheelchair for life. It really sucks. So your life is uh, not necessarily normal, and it's not necessarily easy, no. but how do you get through life? Like how? How do you get through it? God's love. Yeah. What? What about God's love? Get you through this? He said, "This life would not be easy, and my life is far." from easy. But it is a good life. I have seen some really amazing things. The one thing that never fails is God's love. So you can put your faith in that.
2: Speak for two years. And when he started speaking, they told us that his throat muscles had atrophied and there would be no way to get that back. So when he started speaking, we realized everything is frontal. It's all tongue and lips. And so we... The Lord gave us the ability to, the Lord's wisdom gave us the ability to realize that if we lip read, we can understand him. His speech pattern is always the same. He just has a lot of vowels and consonants that he can't say clearly. But in the car, when he's behind me, I don't get it. But when I'm looking at him, as John has done, we get it. I'm so thankful.
0: I know, uh, I know Daniel and Jay and Sue would love to interact with you. Uh, personal interaction is their favorite. And so we'll close in prayer even now. You have a bit of a break. And I know uh, they're willing to just hang and just visit with you. There's more stories. There's more lessons. But they, uh, we had dinner last Saturday together. And they said, again, this is not about us. Uh, We want to bring honor to the Lord and bring his name glory, but they want to encourage in the midst of their struggle and heartache. Um, So come visit with them. Let's pray. Let's pray, giving thanks for this occasion together, and then come chat with the Stratmans, if you will. Father, we're reminded today that we have to think right in order to live right. And we thank you for the reminder of the choices that the Stratman family extended, have uh, learned and continue to make uh, choosing faith and uh, uh, not being afraid, Uh, choosing to trust, choosing to forgive, choosing to live today in light of uh, the best that is yet to come. And so we thank you for their example. We thank you for their story. We thank you for the comfort you've been able to give them, you the Uh, the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies. Thank you for the way you've interacted and encouraged and strengthened the Stratmans so they can encourage and interact with others. So we pray that we would all purpose to wait, uh, knowing the best is yet to come and allowing you to decide the terms. Help us to wait, help us to trust, and help us to celebrate the abundant life now and glory to come. We thank you for Brother B and his ministry, and the ministry of the Stratmans, the way that you use them uh, through their story for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.